Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard. And we have plenty of things to discuss on the show this week. We've got four games to cover, as we will, in the beginning segment. As we always do, we talk about the last week's worth of games. And then we have plenty of conversation about Bob Murray. I went to the Hockey Hot Stove event at the Great Park Ice. And there's plenty of stuff that he talked about. And there's some good one-liners and different things that we can discuss. Some people not happy with them. Some people are happy with them. So we'll dive into all that. That'll be a majority of the show in the middle segment. And then, of course, we'll wind up with the league news that uh, Eddie likes to run down as what's going on around the world in uh, hockey and the NHL. So with that, let's get to the games this last week, Eddie. And we start off, well, the first game wasn't so great. The Ducks played the Chicago Blackhawks. We did have a watch party at the Steelcraft in Garden Grove, which was awesome. We had a lot of people show up. A very, very good event. That part was good that night. The bad part was the game. The Ducks uh, in the first period wasn't too bad. They got down one nothing. Uh, then they got blown out in the second period. Josh Manson went out after the first period. So the Ducks had to play with five defensemen and none of their top four in this game. And they ended up losing this one 6-2. to two. You know, just a, a terrible game, unfortunately, Eddie. The Ducks had been playing better as of late with the new players. What did you think about this game? Uh, it really got unraveled in that second period. Oh, that game was terrible. It, it was really bad. It was hard to watch. Ducks were just flat, and they made uh, that Chicago team look way better than they should should have looked. Um, I think the only thing that was good about it was the watch party and all the fans that came out, uh, the good beer over there, and then... Uh, those sausages too that we both had at the end, uh, those that, that was pretty good. But Ducks just didn't have any like motivation, or it, it didn't seem like they have any will to play. It was just they seemed like they were just dead in the water, and it was a really tough game to watch. Um, no one really supported Gibson. Didn't have his best game. Um, Miller, I credit him. I probably was probably the best Ducks player that came in when he came into relief. Like he came ready to play, and he made some crucial saves because I think it would have been like you know two or three more goals that would have been scored if uh, Miller didn't come in and play that style but it was just a, a tough one to watch I'm glad that it was a watch party so it was like you know mingling with the fans and and talking to people and, and being at a different location and, and around other Ducks fans I think that that's made it bearable but other than that it just it was a tough one to watch yeah absolutely it, it, it was just once that second period got going it, it was terrible uh, like you said nothing much better to say about it I do give the Ducks a little bit of a pass in this game. Uh, they did play poorly, don't get me wrong, in this contest. However, when they had none of their top guys and they had to play five defensemen for the, the last two periods, you knew things weren't going to go right. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to win when Manson didn't come out in the second period. However, they did get blown out. This wasn't even close. I felt in this game that Irwin and Larson uh, looked just God awful. Unfortunately, we oh, talked about Irwin, we talked about Irwin on the last show and how he had been used, uh, you know, very frequently on the penalty kill, not getting many points or anything like that, but had been solid for the Ducks. 
And once he got thrust into this role, which, I mean, it's what Dallas Aikens had to do. He had to shuffle the defensive pairings, and they had to play these guys all more minutes, obviously being down another uh, person and being down basically one of your top guys in this contest. But those guys got thrashed. Irwin and Larson, they they got burned a couple times, gave up you know a handful of these goals against the Blackhawks. Did not look good at all. And I agree with you. Miller came in in the third period. They took out Gibson, which I felt was the right move after that god-awful second period. And Miller looked good in this game, as you mentioned, Eddie. And as far as Manson, you know, the Ducks said it was an upper body injury. But if you watch the game at home on TV, Hayward said that he was actually dealing with the flu. Uh, I guess an upper body flu. I guess that's what we'll call the penalty, uh, or uh, not the penalty, but the um, the uh, injury. Uh, so whatever. So that's a good yeah, one. upper body flu. So that's a that's a new one. So mark that down. That's what we're gonna add. Um, this, you know, supposedly that's what some of these players are are dealing with. Uh, still, unfortunately, is is illnesses and whatnot. So that. Um, Took out the duck situation in this one. I knew that they pretty much weren't going to win this game into the second period. Um, so, I, like I said, I give them a little bit of a pass, but still, overall in this performance, uh, defensively, it, it just looked bad. They, they didn't give up any goals on the power play, which was good in this contest, but uh, just the coverage, uh, it was just it was just terrible. And I think thrusting those guys into this position wasn't good. And, and we'll talk about the next couple games coming up, but the other one that concerned me too was Larson Eddy. He has not looked good uh, in the last couple games as well. Yeah, he's just it doesn't seem like the player that that he was projected to be. He's he's not like like everyone thought he was going to be, you know, a future, you know, a top player. He just hasn't really been playing that well. He he's looked flat the whole time. Like it's just it's one of those players where now it's like you, you know, if he would have got traded at the trade deadline, no one's going to be like, "Oh, why would you trade him?" It'd be like, "Okay, good riddance. He's just not playing well. I don't know what's going on with his game." Hopefully, uh, this remainder of the season, he can figure it out and pick it up. Um, maybe he needs more time in San Diego. Uh, I have no idea. If not, uh, trade while I guess his asset it's a little bit you know medium range right now. You can get something back for him, but uh, he he's not the player that he was projected to be. And it's tough to think like going back to that um, that trade deadline or not, not trade deadline, yeah, that ex- um, expansion draft with Las Vegas. Like maybe we should have gave away him and, and found a way to keep Theodore because it seems like Theodore's having a great season and seasons with the Golden Knights and Larson's not. So it's just hopefully it gets figured out. Hopefully it gets traded and we could get something in return from him. If not, then we're just SOL at this point. Yeah, and that's how the rest of the season's kind of going so far. We'll have updates on the Ducks, you know, defensive players. But, you know, Fowler, Goodbranson, Lindholm, they're out all these games still. You know, we got Manson back in the Minnesota game. We'll talk about that. But they're without them three. So they're they're forced right now, the Ducks are, to play uh, all these players pretty much, other than uh, also Gooley, who they had sent down this last week. But, um, you know, there, there's people being put in situations and having to play more minutes than normal. So that's what happened in this game. Like we said, the Ducks went down. The good part was the watch party, as Eddie uh, mentioned, there was about 100 people there that I counted during the game, and I would say close to 60 of those people came from, you know, basically social media or other friends watch, uh, seeing the watch party info got posted. So the good news about that is we are going to have another watch party there on March 23rd uh, when they play the Edmonton Oilers. That game is at 6 o'clock on a Monday. So if you have to work, it gives you some more time to, to get there, where this game against Chicago was at 5.30. So look for that. We'll have another, another watch party. So that was the good thing out of uh, this contest, off the ice, if you will. So, of course, the Ducks after this, Eddie, 
getting blown out by Chicago. They go to play your other team that that you love, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. And you and I joked about this beforehand. We said, or I said, that I think the Ducks are going to get smoked and probably lose this game. And you said, no, you know, don't be surprised. The Ducks might steal this one. And the Ducks did steal this one. So you called it, which was hilarious. Um, this game was, oh my God, this game was a track meet to start off. Uh, Miller was in net to start this contest. You had you know, a bunch of goals scored in the first period, four in total. You had another Delorier fight. Uh, all kinds of excitement, a back-and-forth game. The Ducks were ahead. Then Colorado came back in the third. Then the Ducks went into overtime. It looked like it was going to be shootout time, and Ricard Raquel had other plans. He ends up scoring with just 1.2 seconds left. Remember, we kind of gave him some shit on the last show because he's been in a drought, and he actually came through and got a goal, which, thank God, good for him. Maybe we should talk a little bit more negative on him just kidding but you know we did we talked about how poorly he'd been playing which he had he hadn't hadn't been scoring in you know five six weeks and whatnot so he came through with a huge goal good for him uh this game i mean i know you 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 still got your colorado stuff but you probably are kind of happy because the ducks won and got a point but then colorado who's fighting it out for first place in the Central Division, they still got a point. So, you know, both your teams didn't really lose in this one. Uh, what did you think about this contest, Eddie? This was a really fun game to watch. It felt like a, like a playoff atmosphere kind of game. And, yes, I do love the Colorado Avalanche, too. But Ducks are, are my my first team. Uh, you know, Ducks before anything. So I was cheering for the Ducks to get that win. But it seemed like this season, like, the Avalanche have a lot of problems playing against the Ducks. That first game, they lost 5-2. to two. And then that second game they played when they won one nothing, it just a bad turnover led to a goal. But I mean, the Ducks shut down McKinnon and all the Avalanche's top players, and this game just was even better. Like holy crap, th- th- these two teams felt like they hated each other. The way that the game was played, like it was just so entertaining to watch from start to finish. It was a great game, and of course that monkey off the back with Cal scores in the final two seconds of overtime. And to, to seal the deal and get the Ducks a win, like, holy crap, what a game to watch. Like, I, the only the regret I have is not actually being there live and watching it. It was just such a fun game to watch. And and, and Ducks really showed, and, and they came, they rose and showed the, the potential they can be. Like, they were fast. They outskated the Avalanche at, at times. Uh, you had Agazino scoring his first goals at Duck. Former Avalanche player, he, he got kind of like shoves it up his team's ass or something <laughs> but it, I, mean, I mean it's just like the way he scored he was just so happy i'm like man of course the announcer's like oh yeah one time avalanche property and then boom he scores it's like it was just a fun game it's one of those games where you just like you're hopeful for the future yeah this game was crazy i was watching it and i was like oh my gosh they're going so fast in this one uh the avalanche always you know have an up-tempo game uh you can't you know Keep them, I guess, contained, I guess, because McKinnon scored and Landeskog scored in this one, both on the power play. So, you know, the Ducks, we'll talk about the special teams, too, a little bit later in the show. Special teams have not been so special uh, in this this last stretch last week. After some improvement on the power play the week before, this week was 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 bad. And the penalty kill, well, it kind of stayed the same. They gave up a couple goals here, and that's why the Avalanche... Uh, hung in this one but you know there were times too that the avalanche uh, i don't remember how many posts they hit in this game eddie but it was ridiculous it seemed like every like other shot you'd hear oh crossbar oh post i mean they were all over it 
Avalanche could have definitely won this game in regulation. Nothing to t uh, take away from Ryan Miller. He also had an excellent game as well and kept the Ducks in this one to get to overtime. And by him getting this win, it was his uh, 386th career win, putting him 15th on the all-time wins list, passing Mike Vernon. So congrats to him in this one. And another part of this too, Eddie, that was kind of crazy is Colorado had won seven in a row going into this game. And that's why I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if the Ducks are going to win this one. But as you talked about and we kind of joked about before, the Ducks, uh, you know, they pulled it out and, and were able to steal a game. Yeah, and uh, I, I want one note to to, uh, to to talk about is uh, Fran Sos played his third game against the Ducks this season. Uh, Grubauer's out with an injury. Uh, the first two games they played against Francois, and this is the first game where the Ducks played against where he was he looked incredibly shaky and bad in this game. Like yeah, that five two win the first game they played, he still made some some good saves and he still was on his game. And it just all the goals that were scored were, were just beautiful goals. This game he looked like like he was I guess the rookie that he is a twenty nine year old rookie that he is, but. Uh, I, I guess thank goodness for fan for Ducks fans that he had an off game and, and the Ducks came to play and it was just a, from start to finish like I said a beautiful game and so fun to watch he had everything in it um, it's funny that I, I noticed that fight against uh, with Delorier and Belmar if you guys didn't see the clip on Ducks and Pucks our Twitter um, you see Agazino like pushing uh, Belmar and kind of like antagonizing him and then he turns around and starts fighting Delorier so it's like oh it remind me of like you know. You know, I guess little brother pushing big brother into the middle child. And they start fighting. It's, it's just awesome. But yeah, this was um, this was probably one of my favorite games of the season, and, and not just because the Avalanche were playing. It just it was just he had everything in it. It was just a really fun game. Yeah, it was. It was a fun game. And and another thing to note too in this is that. Uh, Hockenpah got to make his NHL debut uh, with Manson being out, and he played a solid game. You know, he played 15 minutes. He had a shot on goal. He had four hits, and I like what I've seen in this guy. And you know, he played in a couple more games this week. And as as far as you know, the Ducks being injured or whatnot, it looks like he's going to keep on playing uh, until Fowler, Good Branson, uh, can possibly come back. So I, I thought he did good in this contest, and I thought he did good this week in general. So a lot of good stuff from this game. You know, the Ducks ended up splitting this quick road trip, and then they ended up going back home to take on a Toronto. And the Ducks actually played well in this game too, Eddie. They got a goal early in the first period. They then built a 2-0 lead in the third. And, you know, they had chances to really blow this game wide open, especially in the first period. The Ducks had lots of chances to make this a multi-goal lead early on. They looked really good in this contest, and then unfortunately Gibson did have to come out in the third period. We later found out that he pulled his groin muscle slightly and that he actually pulled himself out of the game because he didn't want to further injure himself, so good on him for recognizing that. Miller had to come in. He ended up giving up one goal and made this a game in the final minutes, and Toronto really put on a lot of pressure at the end of this contest, but he was able to hold on and preserve the win. And the Ducks, uh, they won this one 2-1, to one, Eddie. Yeah, this was a, a really a good game and another fun one. Um, Rowney's goal, it was so funny. Like, he was so confused. At, like, when you watch that replay, when that puck just went right to his stick, like, perfectly timed, he seemed like he was just kind of in shock, like, holy crap, like, should I go buy a lottery ticket? Or I don't know if he had a rabbit foot tied to his, <laughs> his hand or something. He just saw the puck right there and then swooped it in. But I, I think the only bad thing that the, this league got wrong was Jack Campbell should have been one of the stars. They had William Nylander as a third star. I think Jack Campbell 
kind of deserved that, you know, um, that star. He played a great game. It was a goaltending battle, and the Ducks just um, I, they just outplayed Toronto. I, I I don't know what's going on with that team too. Toronto has such a stacked team, like on paper. They look unbeatable. Like I bet if you sim the season NHL twenty whatever you play, um, they're a dominant team. But they just didn't look like that. And it's just their playoff hopes and and their contending status is kind of dwindling. But the Ducks just came at it, and and I think Toronto made the Ducks look like a, a playoff team. Like these two games, uh, the Avalanche and the Ducks, they just showed something different. And it's just unfortunate for the Avalanche and Toronto, which are fighting for like top spots in the playoff contending standings. Um, just didn't really go their way. Yeah, and that's kind of the role we've talked about with the Ducks too, right? This is you know basically kind of a lost season in terms of playoffs and any kind of contention. And I think we mentioned it on the last couple of shows, but the Ducks are playing the role of spoiler now. Uh, Colorado did get a point in that game, as you mentioned, but you know they didn't get a, a regulation win and get the two points, or even an overtime win and get two points. So they you know kind of slowed them down there a little bit. And like you said, Toronto didn't get anything out of this game. And, you know, the Ducks with their depleted defense, and this one did a good job. I mean, you kept Austin Matthews off the board. So, I mean, he didn't get assist or a goal in this game. That guy has just been unstoppable this season. So, and, and they have other good players too, not just, you know, him. But, I mean, to slow him down, at least, you know, not even get a point in this game and you're without your top four defensive players was a great job uh, by the Ducks in this. And you also had a couple other notes in here. You had Henrique getting his uh, team-leading 25th goal on the season. So he keeps on racking them up. And then uh, in this contest, too, you had another fight with Delorier. And this one, I, I like this one even more than the, the one he had earlier in the week, Eddie, because Clifford went after Bacchus and rocked him. Good, clean hit. There was nothing dirty about it, but he, he really uh, jolted Bacchus. And Delorier went straight after Clifford. Clifford uh, didn't back down. They had a good fight. You know, they tapped each other uh, after the fight was over. And I like that. I thought that was good because Delorier, you know, doing what he needs to do to keep uh, his his role. I mean, obviously he got that two year extension, so he's he's not going anywhere. Uh, we hope uh, you know in the immediate future. But I, I like what he did here. I thought that was a, a really good play, and I and I liked how he and Clifford did their thing, and and it was all good. Yeah, Delorier has been one of those players. that's just a warrior. He's just. He's one of those, he puts his team first uh, out of everything. It's such a great guy. I talked to him on, on uh, a direct message about our t-shirts we had about the Anaheim Fight Club, and he loved it, and he was all for it. So uh, if you guys haven't um, ordered or checked it out, you know, definitely check that out and order a shirt and, and show support for him. But it, it was a good fight. Like, it just walked him to the team, David Backus. It was a good, clean hit by Clifford, and then Delore just, you know, went up there and challenged him. They both fought. They both understand their roles, and I, like you said, Mike, I'm glad you mentioned this. Like that little tap at the end, like, "Hey, good job, good fight." Like it was awesome. I was at Fridays at the bar watching this game, and like everyone kind of just stopped and was watching when they started fighting. It's like, oh, this is what hockey's about. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not as much as it is before, but it's still there. You have players like him. That that are you know, team first kind of mentality players and do whatever it takes to to win, and then his uh, his his points and just his production. He does a lot more than just fight. He just opens up uh, ice for other players to you know to make plays. And he's been chipping in. He's he's got a few goals uh, recently, and it's just uh, great to see uh, him get rewarded with that contract. Uh, when you were talking about the hockey hot stuff too about Murray saying he earned the contract, I definitely agree. He, he's one of those players that definitely you want on your team, and it's just awesome to see uh, that. And and you know, hopefully, I, I wish the only thing I wish I wish that fight would have went a little longer, 
because they're both big boys, and Clifford is not shy away to you know to, to stay away from the fights. But it, it was still a good fight, and I, I'd probably call it a draw. So I think he's a twelve one and one in the season with fighting. Yeah, I think on hockey fights, I I had to double check. I think they still gave it to Delorier, but you're right. It was it was pretty close. It was a pretty good fight, and Clifford's the same way. You know, yeah. A lot of us don't like him because he was on the Kings. Yeah, I get it. Um, but he does stand for his teammates too. So it was a good bout, and you're right. It, w- it would have been nice to maybe go a little bit longer because you know how much we love hockey fights. So, b- But if you miss any of those, make sure you go to hockeyfights.com. They have like every fight in the world on there. It's a really great uh, uh, website. So um, as far as this game goes, though, yep, the Ducks pulled out another win. Also, um, before we move to the next game, check out uh, tpnhockey.com. That's where you can get that Delorier Fight Club shirt. Um, as Eddie mentioned, it is Delorier approved, so check it out. Um, it's been a pretty popular shirt out there that a lot of people like. So with that, we'll kind of wrap up this section up. We've got one more game against Eddie's favorite other team, the Minnesota Wild. And this game was a wild game, I know. Bad pun. I'm sorry. Yes, it was intended. Uh, the Ducks in this one actually got out to a lead, and then the Wild ended up scoring a couple goals in the first period to take the lead 2-1. to one. The Ducks rallied back twice in this game. Down 2-1 to one they rallied, and also down 4-3. to three, Ended up uh, forcing overtime, and they lost this game. Again, the penalty kill wasn't so special. They gave up two goals on the power play. The Ducks, you know, they ended up getting a point out of this one. You did see Juice get his first goal as a Duck, which was great. And you saw Silverberg uh, come through with two goals, getting his 20th goal in the season. So some some good stuff that did happen in here, Eddie. Uh, but uh, the Ducks, unfortunately, lost this one. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the controversial play in a little bit, too. But uh, what did you think about this contest? I'm so pissed off the Wild one. I just I hate the Wild so much. I hate them more than I do the Kings. Um, I was just I was joking with my buddy yesterday too. He was talking about uh, he's a Kings fan. And I asked him like like which team do you hate most? Like he's like I hate the Golden Knight fans. Like it's just all the bad. He almost, he goes like if it came down to it, he goes I would rather root for the Ducks than the Golden Knight fans. Like holy crap, like, we're in the same boat. But for me, it's just the Wild. The Wild just. I absolutely can't stand this team, and, and their fans are annoying. Everything about this team I hate, and it sucks that the Ducks lost to this team. But it, it was still a good game, minus that controversial goal. Um, I don't know if you guys want to check it out uh, on Ducks and Pucks. He has a better a view of it. If you go on the NHL app, it just show you just one view of it. It doesn't look like it, it was controversial at all, but it's just... It kind of sucked. It's it's bad. The Ducks didn't play bad. They played well. Miller had a good game. Um, all the moving parts were moving. Like the Ducks had, you know, a sound game. Um, I was kind of shocked, and I know it's sad to say, but I didn't know uh, Henrique had that many goals coming up in the season. I, I thought he had, you know, like a little bit less. I don't know if um, if I just got it uh, kind of like screwed up with the the stats and stuff like that. But uh, I was looking, like, when Silverberg scored his 19th and 20th, I was looking up all the rosters, uh, all the stats, and Henrique is on his 25th goal. I'm like, holy crap, that's, that's kind of amazing. Um, it, it seemed like the Ducks were shooting really low, too, on Dubnik. Uh, like, I think all the goals that were scored were, like, just real low uh, on the ice. Like, none of them were high. So uh, I think they kind of figured him out. They figured him out early. It just, it's unfortunate the Ducks just couldn't get this win. Like, man, at least just beat the Wild. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, I I get you on the goal thing with Henrique. I mean, with the Ducks, there's not a lot of offense this season. Now we, you know, we have two 20 goal scorers, right? Silverberg getting up there now. Thank God. Uh, I don't know if we'll get a third or not. That would have to be Raquel or Gatsoff to really turn it on at the end of the season here, which I, I don't think is going to happen. But yeah, they they've been providing some of the offense as of late, especially this week. But as you said, you know, getting frustrated about losing because you're not a fan of the Wild. But this game. It really irritated me in the first period uh, when I was there. I was getting kind of crazy. I'm, I'm really mellow when I go to the games now, except like when there's a fight or a goal. Obviously, I jump up and down and get excited or a shootout uh, as well. You know, I like to get you know intense with those, but I, I was really mad. My other half had to calm me down. And I guess, like Eddie said, some of you saw the play and they didn't really show a good view. And as, as you know, I record... I record the games at home, but I also record when I'm there and post the videos. And you can see on the overhead because everybody was booing like crazy in the stadium that there's interference in this play. Uh, Miller gets clipped. He's not able to make the save on that first goal against the Wild. So Dallas Akins, th- you know, he throws out the challenge, which is exactly what he should have done. And we all were thinking, okay, it's going to be fine. They're going to you know, take this goal away. And of course not, they don't. And then, as you know, if you fail at a challenge, then you get a delay game penalty. And then the Wild scored on that power play. And, of course, more boos rang down at the Honda Center. And then I was even more livid because the Ducks, you know, go from one nothing to now being down 2-1 to because of this BS call. And I'll explain why it is a BS call. Kind of go through the rule. I saw a lot of people talking about it and saying that, well, it was a good goal because Miller's out of the crease. That's only part of the rule. That's not necessarily why this this should not have been a goal. So if you look at the rule, it's rule number 78. And you can check it out. You can Google it. Go on their website. I'm looking at now. I read the entire thing. There's a whole bunch of parts to it. But the first part about it, we'll kind of break it down real quick here and, and go over it. it. It talks about you know what is when a goal is disallowed in regards to a goalkeeper. And it says, quote, goals should be disallowed only if one an attacking player, either by his positioning or by contact, impairs the goalie's, excuse me, goalkeeper's ability to A, move freely within his crease, or B, defend his goal. So going by that there, you look at the, the definition of the rule here, kind of almost doing going back to my law school days, breaking down a rule here and applying it to a situation. Uh, obviously, we have an attacking player, right? The Minnesota player coming in there. And is there uh, either his positioning or contact? Yes, there's contact, right? His skate hits Ryan Miller's right skate. Now, this is where everybody, you know, debated about this is, okay, did it affect him in the crease? Well, I went back and looked at the video. I broke it down, you know, frame by frame, looking at it real closely. And yes, there's contact. And the contact is made when Miller's right skate is just outside of the red line on, on the white part of the ice. So that part, it is outside of the crease. So when they came back and said that they allowed the goal because of that, that part made sense to me. The thing is, though, in this rule, it says, or defend his goal. So that means it only has to be one or the other for this not to be allowed. Well, he wasn't able to defend himself to get to that puck and stop it. And it says defend his goal. It doesn't say defend his goalie crease or defend his goal in the crease. It doesn't say anything like that. It's a vague statement. I'll give you that. But it says defend his goal. He wasn't able to defend his goal because of the contact. And I'm just, I'm, I'm usually not that adamant about this stuff, but I'm going to be adamant about this one. That shouldn't have been a goal. The NHL got it wrong. I'm, and I'm sorry, not sorry. You look at the rule, look at how it's written. Either they forgot the or part 
fine. It's worded poorly. I get it. Then fix the rule because it says defend his goal. And he was not allowed to make a move. He couldn't push off with his right skate to get back over and get that puck. So whether or not he was in the crease or not doesn't matter. I mean, that is part of the rule and a large part of it in this discussion when you read it on the website. But in this situation, it doesn't matter because he wasn't allowed to make a play on the puck. So uh, I kind of went off on it. I, I don't mean to, but I'm just kind of adamant. Uh, if you want to chime in on this, Eddie, uh, you know, the rule is what it says. You can go there and read it. And, and by looking at this rule and applying it, that goal should not have counted. I think these rules are sometimes ambiguous with the referees. Um, I think a little bias was shown toward the wild. Like they're hunting for a playoff spot. And, you know, I think they're in the, the, the first wild card spot as we speak right now. And I think that it kind of like, you know, it leaned in their favor for it. I think if both these teams were like completely out of a playoff spot, it would have been a different way. But I think the Wild got shown some kind of, you know, a little bit of credit or leeway because they're fighting for a playoff spot, which is unfair and it's just ridiculous. Like the the rules are stated for a reason. The rules are there, and it seems like these officials and whoever's watching it just they kind of play with the motion and like, oh, well, you know, the Wild are, are competing for a playoff spot. The Ducks aren't. Like, let's just try to go their way instead of just relying on the rule directly. I mean, you laid it out. Uh, you had a good argument and you, you do it all out there. It's like the rule stated, like, it's goalie interference, period. Like, that should not have been a goal. But apparently uh, these officials and people reviewing had other agendas on their mind and it seems like they want the Wild to – to go to the playoffs and and it's just it's stupid and it sucks and i'm not saying because i hate the wild i'm just saying in general and it's not just you know the ducks play x y and z teams it's just it happens throughout the whole league and it's just it's getting frustrating like something needs to change and it's not happening it's just getting it's kind of ruining the game how the way it's being uh, officiated yeah and i mean if obviously you know for the ducks we know the season's whatever we've already talked about that everybody knows that so for the ducks to lose a game in regulation or overtime, it's not a big deal. We talked about them being a competitive team, and that's what we want, and we've gotten that, even with the depleted defensive core. This team, you have to give them credit, I mean, outside of the Chicago game, obviously, but they've been playing overall you know, pretty competitive in these last couple weeks since the trade deadline. I don't think anybody can really argue that you know, overall. And as far as this rule, I mean, if they're saying that the, quote, defend his goal is referring to the crease, well, that's fine, but that's an interpretation. It's not spelled out right there. It's vague. So they either need to take that out or, or put that word in there to make it more clear. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I mean, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things for the Ducks this season, but rules are rules. So they need to you know, go by what the rule says. And if it's vague, then it's vague. I mean, but it still says his goal. So um, with that, we'll kind of we'll wrap up the week and we'll get into the uh, Murray Hot stove conversation that uh, he had at the great park ice which is really good and murray talked a lot about the rules uh, at this thing and how he had a lot of disdain for them so that's a kind of a good transition here that we'll uh, take with this but i went to the event great event uh, i hadn't been to the rink yet that place is phenomenal if, if any of you haven't gone there yet check it out they've got four rinks lined up in a row uh, just a fantastic facility great parking great location um, i highly recommend going there and checking it out and when I went, what I did is I took notes on all the stuff and I put it down in an article. If you haven't read it, you can go back there and read it. Keep in mind in that article, everything is in order of the way it was asked. So I didn't break it down or try to group it, which Eddie and I are going to kind of do here. We're going to we're going to talk more about topics, basically, of what he discussed instead of going through everything. And I'm not going to talk about every single thing he talked about because you can read the article. But there are some things 
that I didn't put in the article that we are going to talk about here on the show. So if you did read the article, this isn't going to be a completely the same discussion, but we are going to uh, go over the main points and whatnot. And I think, you know, the big thing in this, Eddie, that we can talk about, the, the first part of this conversation he had was the, the rebuilding process. Uh, and I think what I liked is, and it did start out with some questions about it, uh, and I liked that he basically admitted that the rebuild started this year, but that he should have done it last year. He also felt that the team could compete in the beginning of the season, get a wild card spot, which I think a lot of us felt that way because they were winning in the beginning and doing well. And then obviously, you know, they can't. Uh, the other part of this too that I like is they talked about a rebuild. Most teams do it in five years. He said he doesn't want to do it in five years. He wants to get it done sooner, which I like that. And he also said too that he doesn't just want to do a quick rebuild and the team has one good year. He wants to have an extended period of time where this team competes, just like the one we just had where the Ducks you know, were basically in first place almost every year in the Pacific and then were competing for the playoffs. So I did like that discussion, Eddie. What did you think about his comments about the rebuild and him kind of, you know, owning that, you know, he he's needs to get his butt going and get this, you know, moving faster? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of with him. You know, I'll say this. I, I still don't think he's the GM of our future and he's the GM of success. Like, he, he like, he reminds me of, of a politician. He says all the right things when, when it matters and, he, he just gives you fluff words like he keeps mentioning retool. Um, but I just don't think, you know, he, he's he's going to like bring this team to success. It, it frustrates me, and, and I, I'm glad, you know, the things he's done, the success that the Ducks had. But it just reading and, and hearing him talk, it just it, it seems like it's bullshit to me. And, and I'm getting a little irritated with it. Um, like I said, he's just like a politician. He says all the right things, but just when it matters, like there's no actions. Um, he, he just, you know, he, yeah, he admitted he should have done this whole, I guess, rebuild or retool, whatever the hell he wants to call it. Last year, it's like, dude, of course, like, duh. <laughs> like, did you not see, like, we're like Joe Blow nobody fans. We And you and I are probably a little bit above that because we cover the Ducks and and we do a lot of analysis on it. But just the average Joe Blow fan will know, like, dude, last year was horrid it was bad and and now you're just admitting it and you're just kind of like i don't know I, it just seems like he's using a little fluff words and, and making people feel a little happy and oh yeah just you know come join me vote you know vote for me and do this crap like I, i'm not buying it thank you for everything you've done uh, expansion draft I, I i'll give you credit you did a good job on that uh not losing someone that significant i mean it sucks we lost theodore but i mean for the future and us like actually winning and being successful, it's going to take more than words. Uh, I want to see actions, and, and I don't want to just have to hear you say what you want to do and make me feel better. And then come six months from now, nothing changes, and you're saying the same thing like, oh, well, you know what? I'll admit that I did wrong, but I'm going to do this and make this team better and, and do everything. Or I'm going to drop the beer prices by $4 <laughs> and have all the fans happy. It's like, no, I want to see action. Like, just shut your mouth and, and produce it and show me action, not just words. Yeah, you know, a lot of fans feel the way you do, Eddie. Uh, we had a poll question up on Facebook, and it's almost in a dead heat, uh, a confidence poll, if you will, on Murray. And those that are confident in Murray, it's 51%. Those that aren't is 49%. For the first time ever, too, we were talking about this before the show, I saw decimal points in a Facebook poll, which was crazy. It was 50 point something and 49 point something at one point. It's been going back and forth. So a lot of this, 
this topic, uh, Murray and you know the confidence in him, fans are really divided in this, uh, as you talked about. It's it's even when I was at the event, there were people there. I, I made some friends with some other fans. We were having a good discussion while we were waiting for Murray to come out. And some people were like, "Yeah, I like what he's done. He's brought in some other players. He's you know trying to fix some mistakes and get this team going." And then other fans are like, "Nah, man, like I'm done. Like it's you know he needs to go. My t- you know his time's up, kind of a thing." And I even heard that from my ticket rep. There's a handful of people that did not renew their season tickets, and it was specifically because of Bob Murray. So you know, there's you're, this is going to be really divided this discussion as far as whether or not he should be here or not. You're if you're listening, you're on one side or the other, and, and, and there's some mixes. There were some serious conversations too in our Facebook posts from people, um, you know, battling it out, saying that he, you know, he's great, and others saying he's terrible. I, I think he falls somewhere in the middle. I, I think he has done a lot of good things. Um, he has not been perfect. He's made some mistakes as well. Um, as far as you know, fixing this team uh, and the rebuild thing, I, I was irritated. Like you, Eddie, I, I'm tired of this retool word. Just throw it in the trash, please. It's rebuild. I don't know why every time Hayward was talking about it, I kept saying retool. Let's stop talking about that because either we're fixing this team or we're not. So I liked what he said, as, as Eddie mentioned. You know, He says good things, but there's got to be some proof in the pudding, right? So one of the other things he did talk about was special teams plays, trying to fix that, how it's been terrible. And we talked about last week how the power play had improved. It had done better. And that's Murray's number one concern, he said, is trying to get this team better at the special teams, which aren't so special. Well, in this last week, the Ducks went 0 for 9 on the power play. So after a week of doing a little bit of an improvement, as we talked about, it's gone downhill. It's the worst power play in the league. And if you look at the penalty kill, they were again 7 for 11, just like they were the week before, which is a measly 63.6%. And the penalty kill is 27th in the league. So those things haven't been fixed. So going along the lines of what you're saying, Eddie, I mean, it's, it's only been a couple weeks, obviously, since this trade deadline. But this stuff hasn't been fixed. I mean, he's saying those things are a concern. He tried to bring other players to help it out. Obviously, Milano, uh, you know, putting him on the power play. Heinen on the power play. Juice on the power play, as we've talked about. They've all played significant minutes. So he's made an attempt. But as far as that's going, you know, with the special teams, Eddie, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's something that's not fixed, and it's going to have to get fixed. He did um, talk about... Also, kind of jumping around a little bit here, but he did talk about the future of the team and trying to bring in defensive players that have a good uh, one-time shot. He says most of the guys on the team don't. You know, he's tried like Raquel and Silverberg, but they they weren't really good at it, and that's been a big problem with this team is is having somebody back there that can rip it. And I agree with him, but like you said, Eddie, in order for that to be done, uh, he's got to go get somebody like that. He said he's that's the plan for the summer, but. I mean, it's like you said, is he going to do it or not? I mean, so what do you think about the special teams play and, and, and how it's gone so far? I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks since the trade deadline. I think the word special uh, really uh, rings a high, high alert uh, for the Ducks. And it's not just this season. Like, it seems like the last few seasons, special teams have been an issue, but nothing has been changed. Like, nothing's been fixed. It's like I, I, it's like the power play. Like I don't even get excited for a power play anymore. It's just like okay, the Ducks are probably either gonna get scored on, or they're not gonna produce. Like it's just like whatever. Like a power play to me means I'm gonna go take a piss or I'll grab another beer from the refrigerator because there's nothing to watch. Those, those two minutes is just dead freaking space, and and that just gets frustrating. Like dude, 
Like our team has the potential to do great, and we've seen that potential. Just something's holding them back, and and it's like I talked about too. It just it's all empty words. He just says the right things, and he wants to do this, he wants to do that, but there's no action. Like, dude, you know the power play is bad. You're passionate about your team. I see you coming down to the hundred sections and watching the game like live. It's like you're there. Like you have a passion, but it's just like you don't do anything to change anything. Like like. Like, what does it have to take? You're dead last. You're behind Ottawa and Detroit, like the, the two worst teams in the entire league that are playing with, with borderline junior-type players, ECHL players, and, and you're behind them on the power play, and you sh- nothing changes. Like, like, hell, shit. Even call the freaking fans now. Like, just one day, <laughs> just p- pick fans from the fucking stadium and, and bring them on the power play because I, I think they might produce more than the Ducks have been, like, I don't know what's, why it's not happening or he's not being aggressive enough. He It's just, I mean, you're the general manager. This is your team. You orchestrated this team. You put them together. Dude, get in the locker room and chew some asses out. Like, yell at them, scream something. Do, do it different. Like, I have no idea. I'm just, I'm frustrated. Like, I'm, it's like a, lot, like a lot of other fans, and I know a lot of fans will agree that just the power play is just terrible. And it's just something needs to change. And, I'm just sick of hearing him saying what needs to change and what's going to happen in the future. I'm just stop talking and just show me action. Like stop showing me words. Yeah, I mean that's a big concern and and you know when we go to the games, I hear it from the fans around us too. When the Ducks go on the power play, a lot of people joke. They're like, "Hey, can we decline the power play?" Cuz you know, we're not going to score. Or like you said, we give up a short-handed goal, which is terrible. So he's got his mind in the right place, but is he going to carry it through? That's a big thing. So he did talk about some of the stuff that he did do, uh, talking about the trade deadline. He said he was happy to get a first-round uh, pick out of that. Obviously, that was the Kasha trade that happened a couple days before, but uh, you know, part of all this movement that happened. Some people did ask questions about certain trades, wanted to know what his thought process was. Uh, in general, he said that he made trades with players that he felt weren't going to help the team win. Those why most of those players were sent out. Obviously, Shore, Sprong, those type of guys. Um, Holzer obviously being in the mix there too and then Richie and some people asked about the Grant and Richie trades uh, on the Grant trade it sounds like from what he's saying that there's a, like a really good chance that Grant's going to come back in July that's that's what he said again like Eddie said that's words we don't know but he was I don't know he's pretty confident that he was going to come back so he also said though that he did want a higher draft pick out of it which is what we talked about we weren't happy uh, we felt that Grant could have at least commanded a third round pick Ducks got a fourth round pick and basically an AHL player. So he did, you know, admit to that as well. As far as the Richie trade, he felt uh, Richie needed a change of scenery. And I guess apparently Richie had just some kind of some mental issues. Uh, not not mental like like crazy, but mental like as, as far as uh, confidence. They said that he was getting down on himself and his ability to play. And apparently he was wearing down himself and his teammates. So Murray did not like that kind of attitude being around the team. And, and felt it was just time for him to go somewhere else and, and try and do better. So that's where that came from. So those are some of his comments that he made about the tra- uh, trade deadline. Eddie, what, what did you think uh, about his thought process there and you know any of the other moves, if you want to talk about any of them? I was happy that he admitted that um, that Grant, you know, that he, that he wished he would have got more because I was thinking that same thing too. So I'm glad that he admitted that. and He took some responsibility for some of those things. Um, I was also glad that uh, he talked about Richie, the, the whole change of scenery. 
Um, I had personal knowledge of uh, Richie's attitude. I didn't like him from the start. Uh, um, just one time when I was uh, one of the elevators, uh, there was a, one of the female employees having boxes she was carrying. He got in the elevator, or she got in the elevator, and he told her that this is the player's only elevator to use the stairs. And then Cam Fowler had to go up like, dude, she's carrying boxes. Like, she can ride the elevator. That's fine. It's just, that rubbed me the wrong way, just seeing that, that, that attitude and that arrogant uh, arrogance from him. Um, I'm glad he's gone. Yeah, he's playing better uh, toward the end, but it just uh, from a top 10 pick and someone that's in the same draft uh, draft round as Pasternak, it just it, it wasn't working out for him. And I think Murray's once again fluffing things about saying that it was weighing him down, weighing the team. Like, you know, I think there was more. He was just being, a, a, I guess, a negative Nancy, if you want to call it, in the locker room, and he had to be traded. I think uh, it was a good trade. Uh, I think that was probably one of my favorite trades of the deadline was trading Richie and getting Heinen because Heinen seems like he's working out great. Uh, he, he's a lot faster. He doesn't take dumb penalties. And, I mean, everything that Murray said uh, at the hockey hot stove and – Good job on covering that, Mike. It was really uh, informative, and you covered a lot of the topics. And I think you were like one of the first people to actually put it out, and, and for like other fans that didn't attend to see um, and show what, what what's going on. But like I said um, before, actions speak louder than words. Yeah, he said all the right things, and I agree with stuff, like pretty much all everything he said. But just like I'm at the point where I, I want to see more actions and words. Like I said before. Yeah, exactly. And and going on the Richie thing you talked about too, I had personal knowledge of uh, another separate incident involving him, which I can't talk about it because I was told not to talk about the specifics. But the reason why I bring it up is there was another incident involving similar stuff with his attitude as you talked about. And I it made me not really like him. And I can at least mention it now because he's not on the team. But uh, he, he doesn't have a good off-ice attitude, unfortunately. And some of the, the things that the one incident you talked about and the one that uh, another friend of mine had experienced that... Uh, he's an asshole, yeah. it seems like. He, he just, he's an asshole. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's what it boils down to. And I mean, maybe some of you out there had good experiences with him. And, I, and if you did, I'm glad. I hope you did. But there's been some incidents where he's just not been a nice guy. So for me, I, I personally... And I, I rarely get personal on this show about things with players and stuff like that. But I, I was I was I was happy that he was gone, just because there was some off ice stuff that just you know I don't need to go into it, and I'm not going to cause any you know problems here for people. But uh, things that just just rude. So I was glad that he was gone, and I, I at the whole thing with his uh, attitude bringing himself down, other players down. And Murray talked about that. That didn't surprise me. So. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm good with the trade deadline. I'm happy with what he did. The, we'll talk about the newer players in a little bit and how they, they're still doing well for the team, even though the power play is, you know, dipped back down. But um, that, that was his discussion pretty much of the trade deadline, other than he said a lot of moves were made because uh, a lot of players on other teams felt like they needed to change the scenery. Obviously, uh, Milano was one of them. That's why they brought him in, too. Uh, to the Ducks, so there was that, as you all know, as the his situation in Columbus was similar to Sprong's. So a couple of the other players out there that needed to be moved. As far as getting this team going, so you know after the trade deadline and, and obviously the drafts coming up, free agency, things like that. Hayward asking him questions about that because, as we said, we need to start doing some shit to get this team going where we need to go. Right, this season's a lost season. Last season was a complete disaster. 
and he's trying to get this rebuild done in less than five years and not rush it. But we need to make some moves, like Eddie said probably 500 times. <laughs> but Eddie makes, you know, he's right. I mean, talk is cheap, right? So he's said that he developed uh, with his staff. He's got a lot of scouts that are part-time or full-time, travel all over, go look at, into things, does a lot of research. He's got a list of names ready to go um, coming up for the uh, the draft and the free agency, people that he's looking at. So there's that part. I'm not necessarily praising him because other GMs do the same thing, but he's in it early, I guess you could say. He's already doing all the stuff now, of course, because, you know, as we said, the season's lost. He doesn't need to worry about playoffs and, and, and trying to do any of that kind of stuff. So he didn't mention any names. But he said he's really closely looking at players. And he said, uh, quote, we'll be looking for shooters in the draft. Some of the guys just can't shoot one-timers. It boggles my mind. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. He referred back to uh, Niedermeyer and Pronger when the Ducks won the Cup. They had two guys that could sit back there and blast the puck away. He's very frustrated because nobody on this team can do that. He feels on the power play with a really heavy uh, point shot or one-timer for this team. So he wants to try to do that. One of the players... That Eddie and I kind of looked at because Murray kept talking about Sudbury and a big uh, a player out there is uh, Quinton Byfield, who's doing very, very well over there. Maybe one of the guys that he's looking at because he talked about a big kid that uh, is a forward uh, from that team in Sudbury. And uh, we, we did some research. We don't know if this is the player for sure, but based upon his size being you know 6'3", 6'4", um, it looks like that could be one of the targets, Eddie. But what do you think as far as you know the Ducks trying to get some of these players? Do you feel that if the Ducks are able to get one or two uh, defensive players that can have a heavy shot, do you think that's going to cure the power play? Uh, or do you think there's something more to it? What's your feeling about that? Uh, I have no idea what the power play. Like I, I, like I told you, I, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about recruiting Joe Blow fans up in the – the 400 level to shoot on the power play and get some goals, but if uh, if if Quentin's a player he's he's after, I'd say that's a hell of a player to get. Uh, the former first uh, round draft pick of the OHL, he, he he just can do it all. He he's big, but he he skates like he's small. Like he just they're so fluid. It's it's natural to him. He he's gonna be a superstar in the league. And if we can get a player like that, I don't care. It, it, um, if we have to you know, trade away some assets to move up in the draft to get him, like he's projected to be, you know, second overall, he might even be first overall. Like it, it just depending on what, uh, which team gets that, you know, I guess it gets lucky in the lottery and what they need and and the you know a certain like skill set. But that's a that's a huge asset to the team, and he can definitely replace Getzloff, but be a a faster skater and that can actually shoot the puck. So just think of Getzloff 2.5. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking too is, I mean, holy crap, if they can get this kind of guy, wow. I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, highly rated. He looks very, very good. So that was one name, like I said, Murray didn't mention, but he said big kid Sudbury. This is the big kid in Sudbury. So, I mean, we're connecting the dots here. You know, I'm pretty sure this is the guy that he's referring to. Not saying that it'll happen, but he was looking at that. He's looking at free agency. He's looking at some defensive players. And, of course, he doesn't want to get in big long-term contracts again. He did mention that at the event, which he's talked about before. As far as the rest of the season goes, he made a comment that some people got really upset about. And this one, I really wasn't that upset. I mean, if you weren't there, maybe you didn't understand the context of this comment. 
But one of the fans had asked about how, how the Ducks came out in that Edmonton game after the uh, trade deadline. They seem to be playing with more energy. Uh, obviously, remember, they won that game. You had Milano getting a couple goals in there, and the Ducks were doing better, skating faster. And Murray talked about some of those things. Obviously, you know, the trade deadline passed. Players can relax a little bit and whatnot. But he talked about winning, and he said, quote, I'm not trying to win every game here, let's be honest. And he kind of had it with a little bit of a chuckle. And he also was talking about the draft throughout this uh, event and how he wants to get a high draft pick. So some people, uh, we talked about this, and they were upset. They were saying, well, you've got these newer, younger guys that are coming in that are hungry. Also people that are trying to prove themselves because they were traded from other teams where they were underutilized. So some people thought, well, winning's not important. And that's not necessarily what he's saying. Yes, winning's important. We've only got about a dozen games left to go. But the thing is, is Murray's not putting added pressure on them to win this last month worth of games. And to me, it makes sense. Yes, you want to be competitive. Yes, you want to win games. But he's at the same time saying, hey, if we drop some of these games, it's not the end of the world. And I, and I think for the most part, we've talked about these recent games in the last two weeks. And overall, the Ducks have played pretty well in most of them, like we said, outside the Chicago game. So I, I don't think people need to... to you know, stress out about it. The uh, the other comment he made that was pretty funny in my mind is um, he's I can tell he's irritated with the core players on this team, and he made a comment about that saying that next year a uh, quote a gun is at the head of the core players, and he seems pretty adamant that uh, you know he wants these guys going to put pressure on those guys you know the core guys Raquel who's been struggling as we talked about Silverberg who's been doing well uh gibson gets off of course they, they've been you know the mainstays of the team you've got henrique doing really well but some of the other guys haven't been putting up as much of the numbers that he would like and so he's he's really on him about that you know we've seen uh lindholm kind of have an off year a little bit uh fowler's you know been injured here and there obviously but he's expecting more from the mainstays on this team and, and i and i did like that part of it so again talk is cheap but those are the things that he talked about as as far as the situation with the rest of this team and kind of moving forward. And I, as far as that goes, Eddie, I, I don't know if, what you feel about that, but I, I'm okay with this team not winning the rest of the season. They could lose every game. I, I Honestly, I, I know it sounds weird because of the draft and stuff like that and trying to get a higher pick. But as long as this team's competitive the rest of the year, that that's really what I want to see, Eddie. Yeah, definitely, and I'm glad you uh, you talked about that because when I first read your article, I'm like, wait, Murray said that, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way too. And I was like, like a lot of fans probably uh, took it the the wrong way because we weren't there. So I'm glad you clarified that. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, yeah, I do want the higher draft pick. I do want them to, to win, but I think you hit the nail on the coffin right there. You said uh, be competitive. I I want to see good hockey, and I've said this from. Uh, you know, if numerous shows that if the Ducks lose a game, but they're playing their their asses off and and they're playing great hockey, then you know it's fine. You lose with some pride. Uh, I just don't want to see a game like Chicago and them just intentionally tanking or or be like Edmonton that that's have been accused but never verified of intentionally tanking and just to get that that the higher pick. Um, I just want the Ducks to play some good hockey, uh, build from there, and just. Just kind of compete and be ready to be competitive in a few years, and not just go there with the mentality like, "Okay, well, screw it, we're just gonna freaking lose and and whatnot, and not show any passion." And it, it's just not fair to themselves as professional hockey players. It's not fair for the fans that that sit there and watch each game, and and the fans that attend the games that spend their hard-earned money on food and drinks, 
and tickets to the games. Like I just, you know, like you said, I think you hit it the best when you said I just want them to play competitive, like win or lose. And and yeah, I, I don't mind if they drop some games because not because they're tanking, but they're just you know playing competitive. But um, it's all to come down to like you said, uh, just playing competitive hockey. That's all I want to see, and just want to see and have some hope for the future that this team's going to be competitive once again. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the sense that I got from him in those in those discussions uh, that he had at the event. The other part of this, really the last segment, it kind of alluded to it already. We talked about NHL Rule 78 and how I hate it with a passion uh, because it's unclear. Well, Murray, it was kind of the theme of this event. He really hated a lot of the rules. <laughs> he was talking about rules, rules, rules throughout this thing and how they basically handicap a, a GM or a coach's decision uh, and being able to do some things. And, and he brought up some good points about this. He talked about the trade deadline. People had some questions about that. He said, well, you have to send players down. Uh, at least on paper, to the AHL so that way they can play in the remainder of the season or they can play in the Calder Cup playoffs. So, you know, you won't see teams necessarily mention this, but come trade deadline at the NHL, uh, players are sent down, some stay down, some are brought back up, but they have to do that because of those rules. He didn't like that. The other part of it he didn't like is that the teams are um, limited to uh, four non-emergency recalls after that. He's he's like, that's a bunch of BS too. You know, why should we be limited? You should be able to still be able to call up players uh, at will, basically, until the end of the season. So those are some rules he did not like. He also talked about Max Comtois. Some people asked about him and how well he's done. Obviously, he got the, the rookie of the month. He's playing phenomenal right now with the goals. And the other rule that he talked about, uh, you know, it has to do with the CHL, that when a player goes up to the NHL and plays uh, a junior player if they're not you know 20 years old and and, the, and they're not going to stay with the team you can't send them down to the AHL you have to send them back to their junior team that's just the way the rule is uh, unless they've had uh, four seasons uh, in the CHL so you know under 20 or not, or not four seasons and like that situation where they sent him down remember he got hurt he played the 10 games so he got stuck, and Murray doesn't like that because a coach or a GM, you can't really decide how you want to uh, fix a player or, or train a player or what you want to do in that scenario. And I guess he talked about Comtois going back to juniors, and they pressed upon him not to check hard, not be so physical, and not take so many penalties. So then once they were able to bring him back up and, and have him either in the AHL or NHL, they basically had to retrain him, Murray said, to get him to you know get back to being more physical and everything. And to me, that's a huge problem. I, I don't like that. So him talking about all these rules, you know, not, not happy with them. Uh, he also talked about the offside rule. That's another one that Eddie, you and I talked about and how we can't stand that rule. He, he brought up a good point, though. I didn't think about this. You know, we talk about the rule and the whole skate up, skate down, you know, the blade and all this stuff and, and, you know, all the arguments that they make and then the review and the angle and then, of course, you know, getting, you know, penalized when you get it wrong and, you know, all that. Um, but one thing he brought up I didn't think about was interesting is he also talked about players getting injured because of the offside rule, saying that players are trying to stretch out, keep their back uh, leg or skate on the ice or, or try to, you know, parallel it and, and change direction when skating. And then, you know, players basically eating it or, or pulling a groin muscle or, or something like that. So I agree with him on that, too. You know, the, they're trying to fix the rule. Uh, nothing official yet, but I hope that gets changed, too. So I'm with them. You know, a lot of these rules, Eddie, uh, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't know the CBA in and out, but I, I've, I do go read it and study a lot of it just because a lot of this stuff comes up and there's questions. Some of it is legalese, and, and I feel like I'm back in law school reading some of this nonsense. But 
I, I don't like some of these rules. I agree with them. I think not just for the Ducks. I think it limits teams all the way around, especially in the final months of the season. Oh, definitely. And that offside rule is just like, I don't care if you're you're a professional hockey player. I don't care if you're Joe Blow, beginner hockey player. Like in any uh, league you play, and if you play hockey, you understand this frustration and how ambiguous that rule is. Like some uh, some refs will tell you that if you jump, that it's fine. If you have one seat, it's just, it's, it's, it's just crazy. Like everyone that's played hockey, no matter what level you are or skill set you are, You've had a doubt with the, an offside that was just kind of just BS. It's crap. It's just it's it's nonsense. And I really hope they change the rule and they make it you know some kind of a set standard and not just be so ambiguous that it is. Um, I wanted to mention too. Uh, I read your article, Mike, um, about Troy Terry and Max Comtois. They were so pissed off about being sent down, and I love that. I love the passion that that they have. That that competitiveness. That they're pissed off that. They're, they're just not like taking it like hey yeah you know some players get sent down like okay i'll just play good in the ahl and hopefully earn my way up no these two players were freaking pissed off to be sent down and they have a chip on their shoulder and i love that and it really sucks that uh when uh comtois got you know sent back to his junior league they, they kind of told him to, the, to not to play hockey they just told him to play some badminton or whatever <laughs> how they're trying to tell him to play but not like you know being that physical and he had to be called up to and be retrained like no you play to your strength you play to your best ability and that's how you're going to make it in the league and then with troy terry i, I think troy terry is something special in that kid and i see it a lot of fans see it i think he's going to have a breakout season uh once he gets called up and it's full time i think he's going to be a a factor and i think he really is going to be a superstar in this league you mentioned guys like uh patrick kane you mentioned guys uh, i don't know kunetsov uh the way he skates and his ability like he's hit a lot of posts this season and he's hasn't really had that much luck this season but it's all going to change and i think he's going to really be a factor and he's going to be a key success to the ducks you know moving forward in this rebuild process and when they become competitive again, he's just going to be one of those players that it's going to contribute and make the team great. He's just a phenomenal player. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. You know, Murray did talk about that too, uh, about the rules basically, you know, having to send people up and down and all this. And, and they, I guess, had an internal battle uh, between Sherwood and Terry. They were trying to figure out, okay, who are we going to send down and, and keep down there and who are we going to bring back up? And Murray said that he put Terry down in San Diego and kept him there because of his leadership abilities, kind of what you alluded to, Eddie. And Murray feels that he could carry that team and maybe make him a strong contender for a Calder Cup. So that's why he put him down there. Because like we said, the duck season, we know not not much is going to happen. But it's unfortunate because the rules forced Murray to pick certain players. You can't you know, bring up everybody. Uh, and you gotta have, otherwise you, you have some players that won't be eligible to play in the AHL and uh, in the play. I mean, you, you know, there's just limitations, unfortunately, with the way the rules go. So he had to make that choice and I don't think it was a bad choice. And he also talked about the whole thing as you talked about being pissed off, which is a good point. He said that he liked the fact that Comtois and Terry were pissed off because it shows to him that they're motivated. They're hungry. They want to be pro NHL players. They don't want to accept just being in the minor leagues. So some good stuff there that he talked about really uh, in that situation. And basically with that, you know, we're kind of talk about shifting about these, you know, other newcomers too, Eddie, we can kind of update some of the stuff. And the Ducks also did make a signing this last week and we can talk about uh, Bryce Kindop as well. So some of the things here with the Ducks, 
Um, I, I think going along those lines of, of making moves, one thing he did, he actually he, he made a move, Eddie. Um, he brought in undrafted Bryce Kindop from the Elverett, uh Silver Tips. And this guy has been just stupid good. Uh, 39 goals last season, 40 this season. Uh, he's been tearing it up. They signed him to a three-year uh, entry-level deal, uh, just shy of $3 million, a great deal. He's also an RFA, obviously. And a lot of good things about this kid. I'm hearing that he goes into the corners, he fights hard, he, you know, he goes for the puck, he's got good hockey IQ, hard to knock off his stick. Uh, seems like everything's going pretty good for him. You know, He's been taking a little bit you know, too many penalties this season. That's the only real thing I've heard. But I've had people reach out to me when the signing happened, Eddie, and a lot of people are really high on this kid. So uh, at least Murray did do something. I mean, it, you know, he didn't do it through the, the trade deadline, but he went and picked out another young guy that – now this guy sounds like he could be a pretty good player. Uh, you know, obviously you have to see how it translates to the NHL level. Oh yeah, he's speedy too. He's fast. So that's a, a, another aspect of this team. Uh, what we've been alluded to and wanted to do, they wanted to get faster, and it's a great signing. It's one of those like I know it's a cliche word, but it's one of those like low risk, high reward kind of things. And if it doesn't pan out, I mean, it's not really going to hurt anyone. It's just. Yeah, hopefully that his success with the scoring the points minus the penalties would translate uh, when he he can earn a spot on the Ducks roster. But it's just one of those things where I'll agree with Murray, and I like that you know he's actually doing some actions now, getting the team better and faster, and trying to get production up in goals. So I'll agree with him on that. It's good to see him not just you know talk crap and and him actually producing it. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do and. And like I said, it's one of those low-risk, high-reward kind of signings, and it's going to be fun to see him uh, come play for the Ducks, and hopefully, like I said, his uh, his scoring ability can translate to the NHL. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to watch any of those videos on him, just go to YouTube, right? They're always on there. Uh, you can check them out, and we actually will have a little update, too, on YouTube in the League News section. But uh, before we get up to that, let's kind of talk a little bit about a little update on the Ducks' new players. So we'll talk kind of forwards and defensemen here. Uh, the Ducks forwards have been doing pretty good, Eddie. The, the ones that they picked up, you've got uh, Milano, Heinen, and Agazino, right? So, so far, uh, Milano picked up some more assists. So now he's got two goals and three assists. Uh, Heinen got a couple goals this last week. So he's at three goals and an assist. As you talked about earlier in the show, he's only taken one penalty in seven games, which is good because that was the issue that Murray, one of the issues that Murray had with Richie. So those are looking good. And they're both playing lots of minutes. Uh, Milano's playing over 16 minutes. Heinen's playing over 17 minutes. They're both being used on the power play. And as far as their puck possession numbers, you know, they're okay. They're not great. Uh, Milano is, uh, you know, right around 50% as far as uh, putting the Corsi and Fenwick scores together. Uh, Heinen's a little bit below 50, so not, not great, but still doing pretty good for the team. And then Agazino, the, the one I'm really not as excited about in terms of the forwards. He's had you know one goal in five games, which isn't terrible. Uh, he's playing just shy of 10 minutes. But uh, he's done worse than the faceoff lately. He, he was at 54%. He's dropped down to 50%. But he's been playing very good defense. He hasn't taken any penalties at all. And his uh, puck possession numbers are pretty good, sitting in the 46% there. So he's been good as a bottom six guy. Just not really you know, too much excitement as far as offense. He's not providing you know, a whole lot. But that's, you know, they picked him up off waivers. So, I mean, you weren't really expecting a lot from him. You got him for nothing. So, so far, I like what I'm seeing from these three guys. Eddie, uh, how do you feel you know, on the offensive pickups with uh, Milano, Heinen, and Agazino? 
I like them a lot and really good job on breaking down the stats and, and looking all these stats up. Like you did a really good job on that. I know you spent uh, hours uh, uh, researching all this, but yeah, it, it's it's fun. Milano is one of those players. He just has a, a he, he's a good hockey player. He's fast. Uh, he, he can shoot. Uh, he can score and he has that swag too. I don't know if it's like relevant, I guess, to playing, but he has that like that certain swag you see his his little smirk that he has that little cocky you want to call him like an oh this asshole's too cocky <laughs> but you like it I, I i don't know the best word to describe it but he just has that that swagger and i like it and uh, it, it's it's cool to see it's really cool to see agazino picked up off waivers he has a chip on his shoulder obviously a, a team kind of gave him away and and he wants to play like it i think he's playing some of his best hockey i've i've ever seen him play i watched it when he played for colorado um, I had never seen him play uh, the style that he's playing with the Ducks right now, so it's really good to see. Heinen, that's, like I said, that's my, one of my favorite trades. It's hands down. He's faster. He's smart. Uh, for the lady fans or male fans that, that go that way, he's a good-looking guy <laughs> too. So that never uh, never hurts having that in the team. Um, and then Juice, oh, I'm, I'm still just – kind of pondering if i can call him juice i don't know if kb's mad <laughs> by calling him juice but i think he fits in well i think he has a future with the ducks uh, it sucks that you know he uh you know probably getting sent down and he just spent the rest of the season in san diego but i think he has a good future he's a really smart player his head's up all the time he 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 he's offensively skilled. He can jump up on the play, but he has that def- defensive responsibility to get back on the play when he does jump up. So I really do like that. So I, I think it just I have no problem with any of the people that that were brought in and the recent signing as well. I, I think it's it's all like just benefits the Ducks and it's gonna move the Ducks up. You know, moving forward. Um, I do want to give a shout out to. I forgot to mention it uh, last night. I was at the bar at Fridays in West Covina. Watching the the Wild and Ducks play, um, I got a little cold and chilly, so I went to my car. I pulled on my, uh, I took off my Ducks jersey, put my Ducks and Puck sweater on. The group of guys that were walking out as I was coming back in and they, that screamed Ducks and Pucks and like were cheering. Uh, shout out to you guys! Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting. Uh, that was actually fun to see. Uh, West Covina is a, a suburb of LA County, probably twenty miles uh, east of LA. So it was actually cool to see uh, some fans that predominantly aren't really like familiar with you know Ducks hockey in LA County and, and let alone uh, Ducks and Pucks in LA County. So it was really cool to see that. So shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. Like next time you see me there, let me know. I'll buy you a beer. It's on me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always good when that happens. And that happened uh, the last game with the Ducks. Uh, a friend of a friend. Uh, I had met and came up and started talking to me and, and said, oh, you know, you work on the Stucks and Pucks site and you do all this stuff. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I do a lot of stuff on there and whatnot. And he just was very uh, complimentary. He said, you know, that he reads all the articles and stuff we post and he loves how we stay on top of the information. So always good to get the positive feedback. I love that stuff. As far as these new guys, like you said, Eddie, I, I'm with you. You know, uh, Juice was uh, doing, he's exciting. He, he's, he's, I love it. I mean, he's got a goal and oh, assist yeah. in seven games. Uh, you know, plus two, um, it, it, playing on the power play like crazy. Uh, he's averaging almost 22 minutes a game, a career high for him. And his uh, puck possession numbers are really good. You know, almost 56% Corsi and 57 Finwick. So, I mean, he's up there doing uh, amazing stuff. I like what he's doing. You know, I, 
he's fun to watch too. Like he's really fun. Like when you watch him skate, like he's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. And like and like you said, he's into the game. The other one uh, with a chip on the shoulder, Milano. He's into it. You know, I, I was a little hard on him uh, as far as about shooting the puck. Yeah, you know, he had a couple of shots. Obviously, in that first game, it scored, but then it kind of seemed to fall off. But he's gotten back up there. He's got eight shots on goal now, and he's been shooting the puck a lot more uh, as of late. So I like what I'm seeing there. The only one that's kind of disappointed me a little bit, Eddie, and part of it's not necessarily his fault, has been Irwin. Uh, he had a really bad game in Chicago, but granted, Manson was out, so he was thrust into you know playing a lot more minutes in that game. Um, so you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on him. I mean, he's been playing a career high too, 23 minutes, which he's not used to doing. His puck possession numbers aren't that great, 44 and 46 percent. Um, so. You know, for him, I, I mean, he's not bad. I mean, we're talking about, you know, bringing him in as opposed to Holzer. So it's not that big of a difference there. He's not doing a lot of turnovers or getting too crazy. But his, he's just, just his defense and some of those those goals, especially in Chicago, killed me. So he was thrust into a role that he's not normally used to. So he's, he's going to have to play less minutes as the, the Ducks get players back. But, I mean, of course, the Ducks are in a you know, crappy situation, for lack of a better term, um, defensively. But like you said, overall, I, I like what I'm seeing uh, for the most part with these guys. And, well, you know, with the defense, we'll have to see what happens. Um, kind of talk about some of the injuries here. As we mentioned, uh, Manson came back. Uh, good Branson. Uh, it sounds like a, a band. I was laughing with some of the fans. I said, you heard of that new boy band? It's a Manson and Good Branson. So we, we were laughing about that. That was that was a joke at the hockey hot stove that some of the fans and I were talking about. But uh, uh, they're saying that he should be back sometime this week, which is good news, right? He's still listed on the IR, at least at the time of recording the show. They also talked about Fowler saying that he could be back uh, towards like after Good Branson, the end of the week. So the Ducks could get, you know, hopefully these two guys back uh, within this next week or so. The other update, which is pretty much what we knew already, they talked about Hampus Lindholm. Uh, all these updates were given by Bob Murray, by the way. Um, he said that uh, you know uh, Lindholm's been very sore. They're talking about his back and his shoulder. And, and that's what we knew. Uh, we knew that all along. Uh, basically, thank you to the Swedish media. They talked about uh, what he had said right after that incident at the game. So that kind of gave us some update there. Uh, and, and it's kind of up in the air. They're saying there's different articles out there saying that they might shut him down. We'll have to see. And then, of course, Gibson with his groin strain. We don't know when he'll be back, but Stolarz is up for now, so it could be a few games. Uh, as far as like all these injuries and stuff, I guess really the big thing, I saw some people talking about this, Eddie, and, and maybe you want to weigh in, is uh, what do you think about the Ducks maybe trying to shut down Lindholm or Gibson for the rest of the season? Do you, do you think either one of those would be something that maybe they should do, or do you think they should just try to bring him back once they're ready, or kind of what's your take on that? Because obviously the injuries now, even with the season winding down, has, has been a concern here. I think Lindholm uh, shutting him down makes more sense. Uh, just let him get some rest. Uh, he's a super, he's a, a superstar caliber kind of player, a top defenseman that we need, uh, and we need in our foreseeable uh, future. Um, Gibson, I would say no. Um, as a goalie, uh, you just don't want to like play mind games with him. Uh, that's his crease. No matter you know how well he plays or bad he plays, that's still his crease. Like. You don't want to shut a goalie down and tell him that, hey, we're going to shut you down for the season because that will play a lot of mind games with you. Um, I, I'm a Joe Blow nobody, and I just play. I just started playing in net, but I have a lot of pride in, and like every single goal that gets scored on me, like I, I take it personally, and I, I want to just 
you know, save every shot that comes at me. And one of my, my teammates was telling me last night, like, dude, you know, you can't stop them all. You're not perfect. But as a goalie, and I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of goalies mentality that play hockey, if whether you're a, a pro or you're just Joe Blow nobody that playing beer league, you have that mentality too. And I think shutting him down will kind of like screw with him, like his mind a little bit. Like, no, just if he's ready to come back, let him come back, let him play, let, let him start, uh, let him get his confidence up, and let him defend his crease. If he definitely can't, he's he's injured, not hurt he's really injured then yeah then shut him down until he's ready to come back but uh, i think shutting him uh, gibson down would be uh, detrimental to the team um Lindholm, you know he's a defenseman uh he's needed to to block shots he's needed to to be there and, and play those those hard minutes and rough minutes and without a necessarily a break um if he's hurt i mean shut him down it's not going to really affect him it's like he's just going to get a little vacation He's gonna just you know rehab and come back a better player. So uh, that's my take on it. Um, I do want to mention too about Sonny Milano. We we're talking about him recently on Instagram. I'm the social media ma- uh, manager on Ducks and Pucks, and I manage mostly uh, all the comments and stuff on Ducks and Pucks Instagram. Uh, one guy was joking with you, Mike. I posted a clip. He said, uh, "I agree, Milano is good, but really don't know who he is. How are you reporting on hockey? Come on, bro." I'm like, dude. Like, Mike was being sarcastic on that last comment. I wanted to just uh, touch on that. Like, uh, his name is uh, James. Dude, I, I wrote you back. Come on. We know who Milano is. And trust me, we do a hell of a lot of research. Um, you're trying to troll. That's that's fine. It's funny. Ha, ha, ha. But uh, I, I can attest to uh, Mike's. Um, he's a great analyst, and he does his research. And he knows uh, about, you know, I think he's, you know, I consider myself one of the best person to, to come to to talk about the league. And it, it, anyone better than me is probably Mike. So um, good job. Nice try. But, you know, you try. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't pay attention to that stuff anymore. I, I used to. In the beginning when I started this, I used to see people. And yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, I just I, – yeah, I, I just had to say it out. Like it's just like I usually ignore that, but it's like no, you, you're kind of like calling him into question. You're kind of like you know calling him, like you, you're you're questioning your ability. And, and I'm gonna defend you, man. You're like my brother. Like I've said it before. Like you are, and and I know how hard you work on this show, and how hard you uh, how, how hard you work on ducks and pucks. And I, I know you know your shit. So I just wanted to just th- throw that out there and. Yeah, it's just one troll, just, you know, just BSing, whatever. But, you know, I just want to say I appreciate all the fans out there. Like, you guys just high-fiving us or the guy at the bar was yelling ducks and pucks. Like, that really means a lot because we really do put a lot of effort into it. And if I think I work hard at doing this, Mike works ten times harder, especially he has a a full-time career on his own. And he still makes, you know, that time to come and, and sacrifice his sleep and his you know, personal time to report and be there on Ducks and Pucks. So, like, Mike, I give you a big shout-out for that. Like, that's just amazing. No, I appreciate it. I mean, for some people that don't know, I I worked really late on uh, Friday night and basically operated on three hours of sleep to go to the hockey hot stove. And then because of circumstances out of my control on Saturday night, I was basically up for 25 hours straight. Uh, with different things going on at work. I'm not going to go into it, but it's just the nature of what I do. And some of you know what I'm talking about. But uh, I was really dead tired on Sunday, to say the least. Uh, Within a 48-hour period, I had about three hours of sleep. 
And part of that was because I wanted to go to this event and cover it and bring you guys this information because I know not always is Eric Stevens at these. He was at one before, but he's not been in a couple of them. And he does a phenomenal job covering it. But I want to at least, you know, be there and get this information also so we could talk about it on the show and have the article and whatnot. Also get that poll out there. And I, I like getting other fans' opinions and whatnot. Um, you know, so I appreciate it. And yeah, like you said, uh, I mean, I, I, before this show, a lot of people don't realize I spend several hours putting this stuff together, researching things and whatnot. When new players come in, I don't just go read one website and go, oh, this is what they say. So that's the guy. I, I go look at video. I look at what fans say. I go to different websites. I check out stuff. I research it. I watch some tape and whatnot. Uh, thank you, YouTube. And I, you know, I try to do those things to bring you the best information. You know, I'm not perfect. I know that. I, I miss things here and there, but I, I try to do as best a damn job I can to bring the information about certain players or what's going on or like a rule breaking it down for you, looking it up, trying to give you at least, the, you know, a complete picture. It may not be 100%, but, you know, I, I think it's definitely in the high 90%. So, um, and, and Eddie does a phenomenal job too. Uh, he does a lot of the social media and a lot of the customer service stuff that I just don't want to deal with sometimes, to be honest. But I, I, I do do it too as well. Obviously, I run the Twitter. Eddie does too, and there's a few other people that do it. It's not just us two. And, um, you know, we, we do a lot of the other stuff when you send us messages there or Facebook or Instagram. We're always both trying to respond and take care of things uh, among with a few other people, too. So I appreciate Eddie for doing all of that as well. So uh, with that, I talked about YouTube. We'll shift to the league news. Uh, we have one part that involves the Ducks. But uh, b before we get to that little part, which is pretty funny, um, let's talk about YouTube. A lot of people are upset at this, Eddie, as we talk about the league news and whatnot. What in the world is going on with this? Because a lot of people cannot watch uh, the Ducks on Fox Sports through YouTube anymore. Yeah, before I get into the whole YouTube thing, I want to dedicate this show to your mom, Mike. Uh, you posted the, the post last night about uh, Gone But Never Forgotten for International Women's Day. Um, sh she's still here. Uh, I think she's still here with all of us. Uh, and She raised a really great man, and you, just, you should be proud of her, like, constantly and I, I dedicate this show to your mom and then um to everyone who lost a mother uh, i know there's a lot of people fans that, that reached out to us that lost you know their mothers uh just this shows to to them to you and 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 this is to your mom mike so i really dedicate the show uh, no I, I appreciate it i just uh i saw that it was international women's day and wanted to just post that out there and same thing you said there's a lot of people out there I had I had a shitty lack of a better term month of January uh, losing three family members and uh, a lot of other people uh, those of you listening uh, you know responded and shared me your stories of either losing love loved ones recently too uh, you know within these last couple of months or year or even before and we talked about those experiences because when you lose a parent uh, a father or a mother for that matter it, it's something that's it's difficult obviously but uh, when you when you can connect to other people that have been in that situation and you're able to talk to them um, you know it's a good thing and uh, some of my other friends same thing they lost their their parents around the time I lost my mom so it's just crazy stuff going on and and it was really good for people to reach out and and, and you know talk to each other and, and help each other in uh, times of need so I appreciate that Eddie so um, with that let's you know let's move along and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show with the league news Okay, so uh, YouTube TV, uh, apparently they had a tentative agreement to keep playing the Ducks games if you're in Southern California uh, for fans or, or, or wherever you are. Um, apparently that deal fell through and they didn't come to a certain amount of terms. So now they canceled 
uh, for certain regions of hockey games, and more uh, more importantly for this podcast, they canceled all Ducks games. This is a uh, now it's a Sling TV dish, and now YouTube TV. Um, they haven't reached an agreement with Fox Sports to to play the game, so that tells me and tells the rest of the world that. It's not these streaming services or cable companies. It's more like the Fox Sports ownership that are just being kind of greedy. And it, it just pisses me off that they use fans as pawns and, and they don't really care about the fans. Like they just care about that dollar. Like a billion dollar company uh, won't flex over a million dollar deal. It's it just, it just, it's, it's bull, it's bull crap. It's bullshit. Um, I'll say bullshit because I think it's the, the most appropriate word to use uh, about this. Um, so currently, I know fans have said that uh, ESPN Plus, Hulu, uh, if you have Spectrum Direct or whatever, you still watch the Ducks games. But it's just sad that you know we have to keep jumping through hoops trying to watch our team. It's just it's, it's, it's crap. Um, I'm not saying I'm not promoting anything. Or I'm not trying to be libelous or whatever, uh, or, uh, promoting whatever uh, broadcast you want to watch. But uh, I would suggest that you just uh, cancel your arrangement if you have a Directv and put pressure on them. Uh, I, I'm sorry, not Directv, uh, YouTube TV, and put pressure on them and Fox Sports to, like, dude, come on, we're fans. Like, we want our sports. Like, just just make a deal and, and let us watch it. I don't know if you have any uh, to say. About no, that I just one. agree with you. Uh, you know the whole thing about it being for the fans and not agreeing to the deal. That's the thing. The fans lose out. So I'm with you on that. I just think it's unfortunate. I, I mean, I'm in a situation where I don't need it, so it doesn't affect me, uh, fortunately. But for the other people out there, I've seen people saying that they're canceling and their YouTube TV and going to other stuff. And and you should, if you know someone's not providing you with the service and you you feel you're being slighted a certain way, then you should cancel the service. I agree 100%. I don't, I don't have it, but I don't plan on getting it. Um, you know, I, I use uh, DirecTV, as you mentioned, um, by accident. But, I mean, yeah, I have DirecTV. So that's how I feel about it. It's just kind of a lose-lose for, for the fans. Uh, that's, that's the sad thing, Eddie. Yeah, um, and other news, too. Uh, Matt Barnaby, uh, he was arrested uh, being drunk in public, and he apparently like, choked out a bouncer. Which is fine, you know what? It's not fine. I'm not gonna make excuses. Like you know, we all do dumb fuck stuff when we're, we're drunk. But what, what bothered me about this is he took to Twitter the next day and said that he'll be vindicated from the charges and his misunderstanding. It's like, dude, you screwed up. You you drank a little too much. You know, we all been there. People that drink and, and you have to say it's like. You're just not owning up to responsibility. You're not. You're just making excuses, and that's what bothers you the most. It's like, um, yeah, he'll probably be vindicated. I don't know. You know he has the money to, to pay it off. Like I mentioned before in the show um, about other players getting arrested, big old smile on their face and happy. Like if I got arrested, I'd probably be crying because I don't have that much money to, to make bail or or pay my way out of it. But it just as a, a hockey personality and a professional that he was i think he should have just uh, accepted responsibility and admitted to what he did wrong and move forward instead of just trying to make excuses for it um it's one of those bad things that just kind of uh, draws shade to the to hockey world and stuff that we don't need but you know what to each his own um you know to anyone out there just my advice is just whatever you do just take responsibility for your own action and move forward and, and build yourself better than that so um 
Roberto Luongo, if you guys remember that goalie, uh, Vancouver goalie that played, he uh, had his jersey retired. The first jersey retired in Florida's history, the player-wise. They had, I know they had uh, retirements for like you know non-players and the shooting they had over there. Um, but he had his jersey retirement. It, it's good to see that. Like, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter or social media, I suggest you do. He's so funny. Um, yeah, it's just really cool to see his jersey retired. Congratulations to him. Uh, Honda Center, moving on. Uh, Honda Center will oversee the food and beverage services at JT Smith's. The owner passed away recently, uh, so hopefully um, the beer and uh, food prices won't jack up. <laughs> Like man, like instead of paying like the the four or five dollars for a beer, hopefully we don't pay like seventeen dollars for it. Um, and then we have the Ottawa, Ottawa. You know what? Just can't stay out of the news. Like it's just like right now they're the team that whatever team you root for. I know a lot of fans from different teams listen to us. We have our league news, and I've been uh, you know, people message like about, about the league news that aren't Ducks fans. But right now, it's like, thank God I'm not an Ottawa fan. Well, I guess their GM that he got hired in January got fired. Um, apparently, he was uh, there was a heated argument between the owner and the GM, and he was using foul language and cussing, uh, making his point, and he got fired. Um, and Ottawa came out saying that it was just like their core standards. He kind of, a, you know, he went against their core standards. Um, another article came out. That his ex-wife, you know, posted on her blog saying that he was abusive and controlling. So it's now it's ambiguous and everyone's just freaking out. Ottawa, um, I don't know what's going on with that team. I feel really bad for their fans. It sucks to see that their fans can drag through this. But I, I, I think it's, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and believe an ex-wife. Like, we all know people, you know, your ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, ex-animal. I don't know if you guys are into that. Hopefully not. But I, I I know things get said in the, the heat of the moment, and you guys accuse people. But it's just it's, it's sad to see that with with, uh, with Ottawa and, and all the crap they're going through. Um, it's just another one of their things. Uh, we had a good story about Bobby Ryan and him being like you know that was a, a, the face in the NHL. It was happy, and then we had this. It's like damn, it sucks. Uh, moving forward too, we had a goalie prospect Metcalf. He actually got a penalty, <laughs> and he sat in the box uh, during a, a loss that he had against the Air Force Academy, I believe, a 5-1 loss. Um, seeing him in the box, uh, he, he on Twitter, he uh, posted, uh, uh, he quote tweeted saying like, oh, I'm on timeout, and then someone posted an article saying he shot the puck over the glass, delayed the game, he said he called it fake news, he didn't elaborate on what exactly happened, but you know what, it was just actually funny to see him in the box. Um, I remember my first penalty as a goalie. I was uh, we were getting our asses kicked. I think I, they scored like it was like seven one. Once they scored that seventh goal, I got my stick and chucked it like just threw it at the wall. I was pissed, and I got a penalty. I didn't have to sit in the box. I kind of wish I did because that would have been really funny and it'd been cool to see. But no, that's my first like two minute penalty I got for unsportsmanlike conduct for throwing my stick. But it was just really funny, Mike, seeing him in the box. Um, I know you reached out to him too and, and try to like kind of you know elaborate more on what happened. So hopefully he responds and we can get a definite answer on what exactly happened and transpired to to get him in that box. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Um, uh, you know, it's difficult to get you know actual players from the team 
uh, as far as like coming on the show to talk because uh, you have to go through the proper channels to do so. So that, that part's a little bit difficult, but I did send him a DM asking about it. I read all the comments. I read a couple different articles about what happened. And at least I can give a partial answer to it because, uh, you know, they were talking about, oh, he got a two-minute penalty for shooting the puck over the glass, and that's why he went into the bench. And then, like you said, he goes, no, it's fake news. And that part is fake news because he actually got a 10-minute misconduct penalty, and that's why he went to the box. Um, that's one of the rules that and like a game misconduct or reasons where like college players can um, get sent to the penalty box if you're a goalie as opposed to just you know having someone um, you know do the, the, the whole two minute minor deal for you. So that was one of the situations. That's why he got sent there. This was a playoff game, their last playoff game. The Air Force swept uh, Mercyhurst in the series. They also lost this game five to one. So I'm not going to assume anything, but Metcalf was probably pissed off and maybe he said something to the refs or did something that irritated them because obviously they gave him that 10-minute misconduct penalty. Something had to warrant it uh, from what he either did or said. Uh, like I said, I don't want to assume because you know I don't know exactly and he, and he was already calling out somebody else for saying fake news, but uh, it has to be something because how else do you get a 10-minute uh, misconduct? But that's why he got sent there. He got that kind of a penalty. And you're right. I, this was hilarious. I, w- I was cracking up because of what had happened. And then him tweeting about it, saying he was on timeout. Everyone was going nuts. It was funny. And it kind of reminded me too, you know, some people were talking about Gibson this last week and they were saying how they want to see him like, you know, get in a goalie fight or or do something where he gets, you know, booted out or something like, you know, just because of the way this season's gone with the Ducks and everything like that, too. So it kind of reminded me of that. I thought it was pretty funny, Eddie. That was really uh, the hi- the highlight of the week, I guess, you know, even though he's a prospect, but, you know, outside of like the Ducks games, if you'll, uh, what will. Mike, I have a question for you. Say you're an NHL player playing you in, in, in NHL. What's the most like most likely penalty you would take? That you think you would take playing uh, your first year in the NHL? You mean like like I would do it on purpose, or I would just get called for it because of the refs? Like in, gen- in general, just you know, fighting, uh, tripping. What's one penalty you think that you're like your personality wise um, that you would like most likely take? I, I would. I- your first year uh, in the it NHL. would be along the lines of either a roughing or a fighting penalty for sure because I, I'm more like the Delorier type. Uh, I I'm not I am not an all star. I can't score very well. I suck at a lot of a lot of skilled type stuff. But I'm a big guy and I can hit hard. So <laughs> that's the, the the things that I can bring. So I, it would be some kind of a, a roughing penalty or a fight for sure, Eddie. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Like, So uh, never uh, get into a bar fight with Mike because he'll kick your ass. But you know what? Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, the way I played, I grew up playing. Um, I wasn't that skilled. I, I, just, I, I wasn't that player. And the teams that I made weren't for skill. It was more grit. And you know, like my, my most success was always being in front of the net or getting my nose into something that I shouldn't have getting my nose into or to, uh, protecting other players. So I would say that... My first penalty would probably be dropping the gloves. Um, I'd probably get my ass kicked, especially <laughs> in the NHL. And if it was Delorier, I probably wouldn't fight that guy. I'd probably skate away from him. I think I'd probably fight a guy like Raquel that hasn't really had that much fight. But you know what? Like, those guys are brutal, and they'll probably beat my ass too. <laughs> well, you know, something I, I did forget to bring up earlier in the show was, you know, Getzloff got in a fight this last week too. 
And I forgot to mention it because it wasn't really a fight per se, but I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this too because we're talking about fighting and that's how we would be. Uh, what did you think in that in that fight that he had? Because when they went at it, his chin strap was being held and he couldn't really do anything. And then the refs had to go in there and, and stop that. You know, it wasn't much of a fight because a th- few punches were thrown at Getzloff's head, and and then that was it. Did you think that was kind of a, a cheesy move uh, there? Because uh, I saw some people originally saying, "Oh, Getzloff got his you know his his you know ass kicked for lack of a better term," and then I was telling people, "Well, you got to see what happened when you look at the uh, the fight. Greenway actually gets a hold of his chin strap almost the entire time." Did you think that was like kind of a Bush League move or do you think that's like a good tactic? Because, you know, when you're fighting, you're usually going to grab the arm. You're going to try and grab the jersey, maybe the the chest pad under the jersey. You know what I mean? That's how the normal course of fighting goes. I hadn't really seen that a lot where someone grabs the chin strap. What did you think about that? I think it was kind of BS, like like coming from a Ducks fan and a fighter standpoint, like – I mean, yeah, I get it. I, I, you know, if if you're in a fight, you know, you know, just everything goes like you should do whatever to win the fight. But grabbing that chin scrap, like it was just, it was kind of a BS move. And it's like, dude, like if you're gonna lose, lose with some pride. And you grabbing the chin scrap and, and trying to do that, it, I don't know. It seemed like a bitch move to me. Um, I probably wouldn't do it personally. Like I, I've lost. Um, I'm probably even with the fights I've had uh, all the years I've played, you know, my hockey club or rec or beer league now. Like, I mean, there's times where I got my ass kicked, but I never really uh, went to a move like that to grab a chin strap or, or kind of like sway in the way of me you know, winning it. I just like went full on just, you know, knuckles to face, face, face to knuckles. But I just, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. No, I'm with you. I don't know if I'm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of confused because a fight. It's just you know, like I said, it's just, there's no rules in a fight. But I think that was kind of a a little little bit of a bitch move. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if Greenway tried to reach out and grab Getzloff's jersey and missed and grabbed his chin strap, or if he purposely grabbed the chin strap. I, I, I it's, you know, no, he no, he, it, it purpose, know, dude. He purposely. Well, I'll try to give a little bit of benefit of doubt, but but I'm with you as far as that happening. It's like. You do that, and it puts the other player at a at a position where they can't fight fair and are kind of somewhat um, you know defenseless. Because Getzloff, you notice he once he grabbed a hold, Getzloff tucked his head down because I mean he can't move his body, he can't move his face. He's just gonna get you know pounded in the face. So he turned his head away, and he, you know Greenway threw a couple punches. But I'm with you. I, I thought that was kind of cheesy. I was like, really, man? I mean, you're gonna do that? So. But I wanted to bring it up because we're talking about fighting right now. And, and I also saw some people going, oh, Getzloff got, got killed. And it's like, well, look at the replay. Look at what happened. No, he didn't Yeah, get yeah you got to like, look at what happened. Yeah, he's a big boy. He knows how to fight. Like, there's a ton of video if you want to go and YouTube uh, Getzloff's fighting. Like, no, he's, he didn't get killed. He, you know, he, he knows how to fight. He knows how to scrap. It just, it, that was a, like I said, a, a B move. And it shouldn't have happened. Like, pulling the chin strap. I would never do it, and I've been in situations where I got my ass kicked, and I, I probably could have done something like that and to have kind of swing in my advantage, but I just had more pride, and um, just like we talked about too before, how Delore fought Clifford, and a little like tap after, it's like you have that respect that you're fighting someone in times that I fought, and in times I got my ass kicked, I, I, the only thing I remember uh, from the fights is that the person that beat my ass, like... Either gave me that little, you know, you know, good job fight, or we had a beer in the parking lot after. So that was uh, only, 
that was a, the, the respect and the, the thing I liked the most. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show. Like we said, uh, don't forget March 23rd, we'll have another watch party at Steelcraft. We'll talk about it on the next show as well to remind you. Uh, check out our shirts at tpnhockey.com. Also on the volley.com uh, as well. You can get the, just the DMP-themed shirts. And also check on uh, patreon.com slash ducksandpucks. We're still giving away uh, jerseys and cool hockey gift cards. Uh, we still got, like we said, about a month ago, So you can still win some stuff if you sign up. And uh, with that, enjoy the week. And let's go Ducks.